It is Wednesday, August 26th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by the Fields Auto Group. And now, a guy who believes one of the greatest free agency acquisitions of 2020 is Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Welcome in. <laughs> Jaguars Happy Hour presented by the Fields Auto Group. J.P. Shadrick with you, and we've got a program for you today. Keeping the team healthy in a different type of training camp. We'll get into maintenance days and what the organization has done um, a couple of times so far in training camp to keep guys healthy going into the regular season. We'll talk up that defensive line some. So many changes there. But uh, Jason Rebrovich, the defensive line coach, as you would expect, is excited about the group he has to work with. Have they figured out the left tackle position? We'll hear from George Warhop, the offensive line coach as well. And we'll go around the National Football League. John Osier is with us as always. Bucky Brooks is with us as always. And yeah, I, I gotta, John, I must say, I think Joe Fortunato, who does our open, was right. That this acquisition <laughs> of Bucky Brooks in free agency it doesn't get any bigger than that, John. Well, I mean, not just this offseason, but ever. I mean, you, you, Bucky, then maybe Calais, Leon Searcy, Keenan McCardell, but Bucky number one, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it. um, some, some Don't big get shoes to, to fill, but hey, Bucky's the guy to do it, man. That's how it works. So, uh, new. what's new this week, Bucky? You're, you're out in California. We've got another week under our belt with um, looking around the National Football League here. Just big picture. We're another week closer to the season, and it seems like most everybody in the league, at least COVID-19-wise, is healthy. That's another week in the books, and that's a good sign, Bucky. Yeah, it is a good sign that we're able to get through this without a lot of tests pop, popping up. It, it says that uh, the protocols are working. It also says that the players are taking everything seriously. So I'm more optimistic now than ever that we're not only going to get the kickoff, but we're going to have an outstanding season that may not have any hiccups. John, it's pretty remarkable to see those numbers that they put out the other day. The league said there were like 50-something thousand tests and of, of 8,000 different people and zero players tested positive that as Bucky said they're taking it seriously now you just got to get to the starting line and then to the finish line after that John that's still a lot to ask but so far so good well I thought from day one that the I mean I think everybody sort of thought this the reporting stuff was going to cause a lot of brush fires in the media meaning there were going to be teams that had multiple players report and the media was going to go, you know, I'm criticizing what I used to do, obviously, but we're going to say, oh, my goodness, it'll never work. And it was always going to be this period except it sort of told the tale of training camp. Once they got into the pseudo bubble, how did it work? And I can hear all the naysayers already because you see them on Twitter. Well, this doesn't mean anything. It's whatever happens during the regular season. But try to understand, this is pretty close to zero right now in this bubble. I don't think it has to be zero as the regular season goes on. I think it just has to be controllable. I think there's going to be some flare-ups, but I'm like Bucky. E even more so than in June, July, I'm really starting to think that they're going to pull this thing off and it's going to be a relatively normal season. I shouldn't say normal. Relatively hiccup-free season that I don't know that 
it's going to be defined on the field by COVID the way everybody has sort of assumed for four months. Yeah, let's hope yeah, um, let's hope that's not the case at all, Bucky. I mean, let's let's play some football and and be as normal as we can be in this environment. Yeah, no, I think the the real test will come once we get into the regular season days and the regular season practice periods, and we're out of kind of training camp mode. Because then what happens is players are used to having a normal routine. Uh, Tuesdays are off. Uh, normally, that's when guys would kind of get together and go out to eat or do their things. And as you get later in the week guys will have like these DB nights or position groups will get together. And so they will have to change the way that they normally do business during the regular season. But I think everyone understands what's at stake. And I think now more than ever, uh, players are taking precautions to make sure they protect their teammates. John, in your uh, podcast this week, the Ozone Podcast, Bucky has been a guest on this podcast before, but this week... You uh, visited with the head of the COVID department, for lack of a better term, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mega Parekh, Scott Trulock, the head athletic trainer, and Cassie Utell. What did you find out? What was the, the biggest piece of that conversation that stood out to you, maybe about the difficulty and how they've executed things to, to get the Jaguars on the right track? Um, probably the biggest takeaway, was, or the biggest thing I was impressed with, was the enormous amount of information that had to be taken in, either from by Mega from the league office, by Scott and Cassie from all of the medical information that comes flowing in. And then you've got to sort of take that and funnel it into something useful for the team and, it, and into all these protocols. And uh, I guess more than any specific takeaway from anything they said was just, the enormous job that these people have had and the education process for Scott and Cassie educating the players every day because you've got a lot of young guys and as Bucky knows football players who are 22 years old you know they're not always getting the best information uh, or they're not reading medical journals I don't know if you know that Bucky but they're probably not reading medical journals and trying to figure out COVID so they They've had to try to get the players to listen. And I think the biggest thing they told me was players are taking this very seriously. They get it. And I think it goes, goes back to something we talked to on the show last week. Players aren't trying to screw this up. They're not out there trying to make mistakes. They realize that their livelihoods, the season, livelihoods of others depend on it. And the, the Jaguars COVID team really gave me the impression that the players, at least so far, are very diligent, very professional. They get what has to be done. Yeah, John, it's funny that you, you, you talk about the players getting it. I think we've seen a couple examples where uh, Coach Marone is able to stand in front of the room and say, hey, up in Seattle we had a situation with a player trying to sneak someone in. We cannot have that if we want to accomplish what we want to accomplish. In Tennessee, they had a player that was at an off-campus party on a college campus. Uh, a 21-year-old, another opportunity for Marone to go back and talk to his players about how we have to act. We have to be very, very professional. We have to take this serious, and we have to make sure that we're doing everything to keep the entire team safe and healthy during this pandemic. You know, of all the, the possible stories like that, Bucky, that's really the only two I've heard of, instances like that, which kind of speaks to our point. The players, for the most part, have 
have done a very good job so far. Now, let's get into the football side of things here. And uh, we discussed this a little bit on Monday night with Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli on Jaguars Happy Hour, but the, the, the idea of maintenance days. The other day, Bucky, there were 24 Jaguars players held inside. Uh, Doug Marone said that they still had as much work done inside than they would have had in pads hitting outside. They can track it. They have the, the monitoring system where they can track the output of players. Pushing, pulling, lifting, doing different things inside. You see the list right there of the guys that were inside the other day. Um, but it is a shortened padded practice camp. I mean, there's only a handful of padded practices left. And Bucky, this is an interesting balance. How much work do you get on the field in a very short time frame, as opposed to keeping your team healthy and maybe working on some things that could uh, linger as the season goes along? That is a really, really fine balance. Yeah, it is a fine balance. And I had an opportunity to talk to some coaches, and they talked about the goal of training camp is to make sure that you can get everybody on your squad to the first game healthy. And so you want to lean on your sports science information. You want to lean on your medical experts to try and figure out what is the best way to get our team uh, ready to go and performing at an optimal level when the season kicks off. And so that may require scaling it back a little bit, taking off the pads, doing some maintenance day type things to make sure that your guys are available. But given the importance of depth and the availability of your top players, I don't think this is a bad approach for the Jaguars to take. Well, don't forget, yeah, John, too, JP, uh... in a normal preseason, when you got four preseason games, you know, it, I get that players hit a couple of times during a preseason game, but the way teams are starting to approach preseason games now, players are playing, what, maybe a game and a half during that? They're skipping one or two preseason games at the start, maybe even at the end. So for a lot of these players that are out for maintenance, had this been preseason week one, they're taking Thursday as a really light day, and it may be a travel day. They're not playing in the game, and they're probably off the next day. So I don't know that you're losing as much as youth, as appearances might give right there. Because usually the preseason is close to three days off for all these 24 guys who are taking these maintenance days. John, did it surprise you to see Gardner Minshew on that list the other day? It was a later, a later addition to it. A little, and it sort of makes you wonder, was maybe that, hey, I'm feeling a touch of camp arm, and I'm speculating, but maybe it was, I'm feeling a touch of camp arm and maybe they just said, you know what? There's no veterans out here that you're throwing to anyway outside maybe like a Keelan Cole. So take today off. Don't worry about it today. I don't know that it was camp arm, but you know, maybe it was just, hey, let's prevent that. It wasn't planned, but when they got to the case in the morning, they may have just said, look, there's really no reason for the quarterback out there if nobody else is going to be out there. Let's give him one day off. But yeah, it surprised me a little. Yeah, what do you think, Bucky? I mean, is that something to – it's obviously something to, to keep an eye on to uh, the next week or two to see what happens with Gardner. But he, he, it seemed like there was no big storyline of that before with him. Um, uh, we'll see what happens in the next week, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think this is some of what you do with the starting quarterback. 
he's kind of earned his stripes. He's made his way into being the Jaguars starting quarterback. And so they want to make sure that they're protecting him, making sure they limit the amount of throws that he has throughout the entire training camp. They want to make sure that Garner Minshew is ready to roll when the season kicks off. That is why they may have some of these scheduled maintenance days in there to ensure that his arm and his mind, they're fresh and ready to go when they really need to. All right, let's touch a little bit on some of the new faces around this Jaguars offense this year. We're not talking between the white lines. We're talking on the sideline. Jay Gruden, of course, the new offensive coordinator. But the new quarterback coach is Ben McAdoo, former head coach of the New York Giants, who was fired by the Giants and then uh, kept the, was out of football the last couple of years. He was fired up to be back in it. There's no doubt about that when we heard from Ben McAdoo earlier this week. You know, I told guys the other day I would have took a job coaching a monkey how to do hopscotch if I had to. You know, I just wanted to get back in. I, I love coaching, uh, and I just love seeing and being around players and helping them get better, doing everything I can to help those guys get better. And, uh, you know, I look forward uh, I look forward to doing it. I'm not sure exactly what a, a monkey doing hopscotch would look like, but uh, it's obvious that he wanted to get back in the game of football after being out a couple of years. What about his personality, Bucky? You know, it was a tough go of it in New York. Did not end well, of course, with Big Blue there. A couple of years off might change your perspective on things a bit. And now you get to come back in as a position coach and, and groom a young quarterback that, that hopefully is the future. Yeah, I would say that Ben McAdoo gets to go back and kind of go back into a position that is, is tied to the strengths of his character and his personality. He's an outstanding teacher and quarterback developer. Spent time in Green Bay, worked up under Mike McCarthy, understands how to deal with the quarterback position. And I think he's going to be a great addition for Garner Minshew because in Green Bay for the longest time, they had what they called the quarterback school, which is really an intensive study and breakdown on footwork, fundamentals, and efficiency. He did a terrific job with Eli Manning of making Eli a more efficient passer, really encouraged him to use the running backs out the backfield. And so when you think about Ben McAdoo and Jay Gruden, I think we can understand how this offense is going to look. And with Chris Thompson and also Leonard Fournette catching the ball out the backfield, you could see this offense be a more efficient version of the offense that we saw a year ago. Yeah, JP, head coach and position coach are two completely different jobs. I, I've got no zone emails saying, well, why would they hire this guy? He didn't make it. None of that matters when it comes to coaching position. But uh, Bucky's exactly right that he can obviously coach quarterback. He's been around great quarterbacks, which can't hurt when you're going to Gardner and saying, look, here's what we did with Aaron Rodgers. Here's, here's what we did with Eli Manning. Anytime you can add veteran experience, which is what McAdoo and Gruden are, I'm all for it. I, you know, the quarterback couldn't be in better hands considering where they were when they started this offseason, uh, the search process, to get two experienced guys with this level of experience to work with the young quarterback. You know, uh, it's probably the most experienced, the most veteran, sage heads, whatever you call them, that the quarterback has had this franchise in a long, long time. I don't see how it doesn't help Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I, I agree so. with you, John. I, I, th I think it does help. I think it helps to have that experience. And also, well, I would be remiss if I don't mention Terry Bisky and Terry Bisky's experience as an offensive coordinator. 
having him around and dealing with the running backs and being able to have that think tank, you're now talking about a very, very good coaching staff, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I think that will matter when you have so many young guys kind of working into the mix. He's been at it for a long, long time in the National Football League, no doubt about that. So a lot of experience in this Jaguars uh, offensive coaching staff for sure. Let's come back in a moment. We'll dig into the defense and most notably the defensive line where Bucky and John, we will hear about bird dogs when we come back. Yes, bird dogs. Uh, pick your must-see matchups and save. Now you have the flexibility to see your team on your terms. Use the priority access window to create a plan that fits your budget and schedule, whether you want tickets for one game, a custom package for two, or more. Go to jaguars.com or call 633-2000 and choose your plan today. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hey, Jags fans, we all know Duval is a big place, and you need to get a lot of mileage out of what you drive. That's why Duval Motor Company puts service first. They don't just sell great cars and trucks. Their service departments take care of your loved ones by providing maintenance and repair for every make and model, even the ones they don't sell. They've got all of Duval covered when it comes to your ride. Any make, any model, any location. DuvalMotorCompany.com you can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Football is back. And Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars are ready to win. Visit Jaguars.com and join us at the bank. Season tickets mean you'll be there in person for a Thursday night matchup with the Dolphins, a rivalry game against the Steelers, and crucial contests with our AFC South Division opponents. The Jaguars are taking every precaution to keep our fans safe and ensure we can be Duval together this fall. Limited capacity seats remain. Visit Jaguars.com or call 904-633-2000 and lock in your seats for the 2020 season. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Back, Jaguars happy hour. JP Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier, and you're looking inside TIAA Bank Field, looking south, St. John's River beyond. And uh, so far, pretty nice day here in Jacksonville. And the, the Jags will be on that playing surface Saturday for a scrimmage of sorts. And uh, really, they're, they're big time prep for their first home game, which is uh, September 13th. It's uh, not too far away. Welcome back. Glad you're along with us. 
Um, let's get into the defensive line now. And, you know, we've uh, we've obviously talked about this on, on a few different shows, John, but there's been so much change on that defensive line. We heard from Jason Rebrovich this week, defensive line coach. And for him, it goes back to um, some things he learned when he was growing up. My dad raised bird dogs when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, his, his deal was if, if he shot a shotgun and that dog shied away, he, that dog wasn't a bird dog anymore. So, you know, you, you could sit there and say, hey, these are the guys that we got or or these are the people that we have. And, uh, you know, you, you, you shoot those shotguns off and you say, hey, let's 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 go. Let's blast and uh, let's get out there and play with whatever which ones we got out there. Um, I'm not sure how many bird dogs there are in Los Angeles, Bucky, but that's uh, that's a sound bite if I've heard one there. The point is obviously is you find out right now in this time period who are the guys that are going to go out there and get it done for you, and they got to go out with who they have out there. And and so far they're they're pretty positive about what they have, Bucky. Yeah, some people would see this situation as being a challenge, but I will say it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for some guys to get it onto the field and show the coaching staff that they're ready to get it done. And I know we have seen a lot of guys fall by the wayside during this training camp or leading up to camp. We saw guys retire. We've seen people opt out. We've seen injuries impacted. But who is remaining? And with the people who are remaining, they are certainly capable of getting it done. But it's going to take a massive effort for these guys to play at a high level. That means Taven Bryant, Tim Jernigan, Dwayne Smoot, those guys have to play at a high level. And then Josh Allen has to go from being what I call a pro bowler to being a superstar. If he plays at that level, they have more than enough ammunition to really attack people and play the kind of defense they want to see down there in Jacksonville. John, what'd you make of Rebrovich's comments the other day? And obviously, you know he's going to be confident about the group he has out there. That's that's part of his job is to get those guys ready to go. But And Bucky mentioned a couple names there, too, that they're really high on. Even still, with Taven Bryan off to the side and week to week with a bone bruise in his knee, that was a name we heard a lot this past, the past few days. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of positive talk about Taven Bryan here, John. Yeah, I think Rebs' dad shot my cell phone off my lap, which is why I lost contact <laughs> with you guys earlier. But it, it's a, you know, it, I, I think people are generally jumping the gun a little too much on woe is the Jaguars' defensive interior. I get they lost Woods. I get they lost Gunter. Those are big losses. I don't know that we knew enough about Dontavious Russell to be that concerned about that loss. Um, and I want to sort of say, I'm going to ask Bucky at the end of this to comment on this. Timmy Jernigan, in the first couple of weeks, or or the first uh, week or so he's been here, it's been remarkable how many players have made a point to say, this guy, you know, to use Dwayne Smoot's phrase, this guy's a dog. This guy is out there in practice. He had a rough first day. But the other players are impressed with what he's bringing, the energy. If Jernigan is Jernigan, to me that counters one of those other losses. I don't think you're in that bad of shape. I haven't been able to watch Timmy Jernigan that much. I'm curious, Bucky, who watches a lot of film, what do you think of him? How good can he be quickly? 
this is a good get for the Jaguars. When he came over, I was excited about it because watching him all the way back at Florida State, he was a disruptive playmaker at the point of attack. When you chronicle his career, how he played at Baltimore, how he played in Philadelphia, he's still very disruptive on the interior. Didn't necessarily have the year that he wanted a season ago, but he comes down and he's an energizer bunny. He's strong. He's tough. He's physical. More importantly, he has experience. And when you put an explosive, energetic player like him, besides a, a Taven Bryant, who's also energetic and explosive, man, you now could have problem on your hands. And just know, everyone that has been down on Bryant, the light for young players typically goes off in their third year. We finally could see him realize his first-round talent this season as the game settles down and slows down for him. Another guy that you mentioned earlier, Bucky, was Dewan Smoot, uh, former, uh, well, it's now his fourth year in the NFL, which is crazy to think about. But he, he talked this week about, you know, he, he's trying to figure out what he actually is. Is he a big end? Is he a rush end? They moved him around a little bit. And, you know, towards the end of last season, you started to see him take some strides. What did you see out of him coming out in the draft? And, and how difficult is that sometimes when maybe you have been moved around early in career to, to find out who you, what kind of player you really are? Yeah, it's really hard because when you're really talented, uh, coaches' imagination sometimes can run wild. They can say, hey, he's a big end. He can go inside. He can do a bunch of different things. And I think for Smoot, it's understanding where do I fit in the puzzle? Can I master my craft at one situation? I think he's more of a big end. I think given what they're lacking, I think you want to see if he can be that base defensive end. And then because Josh Allen is a uniquely talented player with his athleticism and his traits, you want to leave him kind of as the open side, the Leo player, the guy that can kind of run and rush and do a bunch of different things. And so I believe in this defense, Smoot is best position to be a base in, to play outside, to kind of be the heavy-handed player against the run. What did you uh, think, John, JP, about uh, Smoot's press? Bucky didn't yes. get the memo. Bucky didn't get the uh -oh. – can't say Leo, Bucky. Can't say oh. Leo around here. <laughs> um, and many, Leo many people – Leo is no longer. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, in terms of Smoot, I'll tell you what he is. He's exactly what good defensive lines in this league need. He's not necessarily a front-line starter. I don't think he's going to Pro Bowl. I don't think he's getting 12 sacks. But what he was sort of talking about uh, when he talked, I think it was yesterday, not really knowing what he is. The Jaguars know what he is. He's a guy who can play all those spots. Four guys never play on the defensive line in the NFL. Good defensive lines has six, seven, eight guys. Think of the Giants when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You can come in waves. That's what Smoot gives them. He is a guy, if you're a good defensive line, you've got a few Dwayne Smoots because you've got guys who aren't necessarily superstars, but they're really good and they produce when they're in the game. But he's not a Leo. He's not a Leo. I got that. <laughs> Leo point, does not point, exist. Abort. Point, point taken. But here's what I'll say, John, because you make a good observation. And I think a lot of people are so used to thinking that a, a defensive line has to have guys that ring up these double-digit sacks. But you can get away with it if you do it by committee. So let's just say Smoot is able to get you six or seven. Brian gets you four or five. Jernigan gets you four or five. But then at the end of the year, if you're sitting around 40 to 45, that's a very productive year for a defensive line. Josh Allen has to carry the weight, and maybe you get something from somebody else. 
But if the rest of the guys can give you four or five apiece, that is more than enough to be an effective unit, uh, particularly against the pass. Let's hear from one of the newest members of that defensive line unit, Caleb on Chason, first round draft pick. And, you know, it'd be nice to have him obviously contribute to some of those numbers this year. But learning how to do that, he says, won't be much of an issue. I feel like I'm an accelerated learner and not trying to, you know, go against anybody else. But I feel like uh, the way I learn things, it's not really hard for me to pick up on anything, whether it's academically or football IQ. Um, you give it to me on the playbook. Uh, on the video film or on the field, right then and there, I pick up fast and I learn quick. So that's never really kind of been anything, no learning curve or uh, held back for me. Uh, I kind of just been putting in the work every day when it comes to watching film or studying a playbook or even being on the field. I'm taking it step by step, day by day, and just trying to learn from everything. Bucky, I'll start with you here on Chase on you know, his sample size at LSU was somewhat limited because of injury down there, and he's still a very young man. Um, so what did you make when he was out there, obviously? And, you know, being that locked in, as he says he is, that can only help a young player when he's trying to transition to a new league like this one. Yeah, look, Jason is an outstanding athlete. Uh, looking back at my notes, I talked about being an urgent athlete. He was energetic, did a great job of running and chasing and playing from snap to whistle. The thing that he is right now is he's a newbie when it comes to being a pass rusher, meaning he doesn't have the full repertoire of pass rush skills to be able to really throw a bunch of different pitches at blockers. That said, his first step quickness and his burst, he can be a guy that was very effective, similar to Yannick Ngakwe when he came into the league. He may not have everything at his disposal, but his speed, energy, and tempo could enable him to be a guy that gets eight to 10 sacks just playing on sheer talent. You put that opposite of Josh Allen because he is going to command double teams. He can win one-on-ones, and that could be enough to be a contributing factor right away as a rookie. That sounds, John, like what Josh Allen was last year. You know, if you hear Jeff Lagerman say it in the last week or so, uh, Allen on talent alone got a lot of those sacks last year. Now you're starting to put some, some pass rush moves together with that, John. That's a big difference. Yeah, and as far as Chase on, you know, he has this athletic ability that jumps off the page. When you're watching practice, you know, even if you don't think about football, your eyes are drawn to him and you say, who's that guy? He looks different than everybody else. I think what's most encouraging for me on Chason, I haven't had a chance to talk to him face-to-face -face because all the COVID stuff, but in listening to him in a few interviews and then making some calls and talking to people who have dealt with him inside the organization, his ability to communicate, his maturity, JP, you remember this from Josh Allen last year. As soon as Josh walked in the building, he felt different when you talked to him. You knew he was going to gravitate to Calais. You knew he was going to do the right thing. And he held that all season, showing maturity on, a, on many different ways that I don't see very often from rookies. From what you hear, Calevon's that same kind of kid. To me, that's the key. There's no question about his athletic ability. If he combines that with this Josh Allen-type maturity, that's what makes Josh the whole package. Boy, then you've got something special out of those two guys. It's too early to know on Calevon yet, but those signs to me, are even more encouraging than what you see on the field because those signs mean he's going to take advantage of his God-given talent. Yeah, I agree with you, John, because 
he does have God-given talent. This was a big-time basketball player coming up, someone who is still, I would say, kind of new to the game and the position as it comes to being a pass rusher. But the reason I think it's really important to talk about Yannick Ngakwe is because no one expected Ngakwe to be the player that he emerged as for the Jaguars when he was drafted out of Maryland. I'm going to say Chasen is a more explosive, dynamic, and athletic um, prospect coming out. Now, it may take him a while to put it together, but there's no reason why early in, in his career he can't be a contributor despite not really knowing what he's doing coming off the edge. Well, he's a better uh, run well, player can... yes. than Ngakwe uh, was coming out. I think that's what made him a first-round pick. And Bucky, I assume mm-hmm. he'll be much stouter against the run in his career. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think he has a lot of talent. You're now putting him, and also this, I think the observation was made by both of you guys. You talked about his maturity. Because now Josh Allen is the leader of that room, we'll just assume he's the leader of that D-line room, that competition is going to force Chase on to step up his game because of the way that he talks about wanting to get it. He is going to be in Josh Allen's hip pocket. I think that bodes well for the Jaguars, not in 2020, but in 2021 and 2022 and beyond. Right. Let's. Uh, I, I like that. I, that's a that's a good sign for the organization for sure. And 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 don't fret about the defensive line, according to John Osher. We're back in a moment. Uh, let's get onto the offensive line. We'll discuss Cam Robinson, the left tackle position. We'll hear from George Warhop, the offensive line coach, who kind of set the record straight at that position. Bono's Pit Barbecue is showing support for frontline heroes by creating a Feed the Frontline campaign. Help support our local doctors, nurses, and hospital workers by donating meals to honor their brave and dedicated efforts during this difficult time. Call 332-7427 and donate today. We're halfway home. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. DreamFinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. DreamFinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization. That's the DreamFinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at DreamFindersHomes.com. DreamFinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity hey jacksonville this is joe adib from bonos i just want to let you know that we have now reopened all of our dining rooms we appreciate all the love that you have showed us during this crisis for over 71 years we have been here for you through good times and bad our award-winning barbecue and our unbelievable staff look forward to seeing you soon be safe 
important left tackle. I think he's extremely important, and we need him to perform at a high level. Uh, the biggest thing from here, from last year to now, is he can take all the practice. Right? He's out there in all the practice. He's taking all the reps. Uh, there's been, uh, and to this point, no issues with him physically. Uh, so, I mean, he can just keep going and getting better, and we don't have to worry about managing him like we did last year. George Warhoff, the offensive line coach for the Jags, and uh, the Jaguars will be back out on the Dreamfinders Homes practice complex tomorrow morning and Friday as well, and then into the stadium on Saturday for scrimmage. But uh, there you have it. There's a look at the practice fields for now. Players off day today. Welcome back. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osher. Jaguars happy hour rolls along. And there has been a little bit of a development at the offensive line since we last spoke, Bucky. And that was the development. George Warhop saying, well, yeah, he's important, Cam Robinson, because he's going to be our starting left tackle. Uh, we had talked, and there's been a little rumble of some competition, you know, in camp. But uh, Cam Robinson, at least Warhop said it, you know, has played the position much more, obviously. And coming into camp was way ahead of Will Richardson. Now Richardson's working his way into into being comfortable at left tackle but cam robinson's the guy and i will say the other day um it must have been yesterday uh, cam robinson in one-on-ones against josh allen i don't think he lost against josh allen yesterday so uh you see a, a guy who's motivated who's in pretty good shape who according to tony baselli has worked on his footwork and things are going well for cam robinson that's a good sign bucky yeah, that is a very good sign to, to hear those things, to hear uh, George talk about what he's doing, him being entrenched at left tackle, Tony Baselli talking about his improved footwork, because coming out of Alabama, this was a mauler brawler. This was someone who was expected to be really a key player, more as a run blocker than as a pass protector. And so a lot of how effective he will be will really depend on the design of the offense. Will we see the Jaguars commit to running the football and spend a lot of time going forward with their offensive line instead of backpedaling? Because if we see them go forward with a run, throw off play action, I think we will see the best version of Cam Robinson this season. John, how about uh, George Warhop there and, and, and Cam's development over time here? You know, this is this is a line. You can start left tackle all the way across. They're all back from last year. But that's been the focus, I think, of a lot of conversation in the offense uh, this whole offseason is that left tackle position. And here it is, contract year for Cam coming up. Yeah, it, it was my question that, that prompted the answer. And, Bucky, as you know, it's not the first time that one of my questions has been absolutely laughed at with disdain the way he did. It, it uh, I wonder with Cam Robinson if we fully grasp as non-players, uh, somebody like JP and I, how much the ACL can set you back and how much of an issue it can be to try to return from that the following season. Warhop talked about the biggest difference between Cam is he's able to practice every day. They're not maintaining him, to use that word, but they're not trying just to get him on the field. It sounds, from listening to Warhop and Marone, that there were many games last season where they were just trying to get Cam, I think it was Marone used the word, just trying to get him to survive. 
Um, mm -hmm. If that's what's going on, if he's back to where he was trying to get to before the injury, and if Baselli's right that he has improved that much, then he is the key to the whole thing. Then maybe that's what was missing last year. Bucky, I'm curious if, if you think most fans grasp how difficult it can be for a player when he's not able to practice 100% the way Cam wasn't. You know, it's a huge challenge coming off an ACL injury. Normally, John and JP, it takes about two years before you see that player return to the form that we saw him prior to the injury. Uh, for Cam, this would be the first offseason. I mean, this would be the offseason where he was able to actually work on his skills, meaning his fundamentals right. and footwork instead of rehabbing. That makes a huge difference in his development. One of the reasons why he is more comfortable in practice now is because even though they didn't have a true or traditional offseason, he was able to do football stuff as opposed to rehab. That has made the difference. And don't underestimate the confidence coming back in terms of the confidence in the knee. He now knows he can make all the movements. When you have that twinge of doubt, a lot of times you're thinking about your leg and you can't think about the technique better or, or even the opponent that you're facing. Now he's able to really focus on the football part of playing the position. Let's touch on one of the new additions on the offensive line this year, Ben Barch, Division Three player from St. John's up in Minnesota. And he first came, Bucky, on a lot of our radars because of a smoothie at the draft. You know, not many, at least around here, I don't think, watch Division Three football. Um, how well known was he in the scouting community going into the draft? And, you know, it, it seems like so far he's been able to do certain things in camp that make you say, okay, this guy has a future of some kind. Don't know what, exactly what it is yet, but um, how does he continue to develop? And, and when, did he, when did you first hear about Ben Barch? Well, obviously on the all-star circuit, his name was prominent because you don't find many D3 players that are able to play at these high-end college all-star games. And then when you have an opportunity to watch him play, he's competitive, he battled, he didn't look like the game was too big for him. And so the biggest transition that you have to worry about when you get a player that is playing, coming from playing D3 ball to now playing in the National Football League, how long does it take him to get acclimated to the speed, tempo, and strength and power of the game and the opponents that he faces? Um, by all accounts, he's been able to hold his own. And so it may be ugly at times this year as he's transitioning, but as he settles in, this was a player that was a dominant player on the D3 level. If he can settle in and kind of have that confidence, he can be a very solid player on the interior. John, I was interested to see him in person just to see, is he just a skinny guy that put on a bunch of weight? But I don't think he's that. I think he's broader than I expected just in general. And then he put on all the weight with that. Well, so are you and I, JP. So that's uh, – <laughs> he's with that. He'll fit Fair right point. in with us. He, uh, he's not overwhelmed at all. And I think the key to him not being overwhelmed is, as you said, he fits physically. Uh, had he played at a Division I school in the last couple of years, had he transferred from where he was, I think he would have done fine. I talked to him once in a uh, – in an ozone conversation that we did, I think it was May or June, talking to him face-to-face, -face, what I was impressed with with him is he sort of understood the line of questioning about, hey, it's going to be about transitioning from Division Three, 
It's going to be about all those things he's always heard. And he's not cocky about it. But you got the feeling that it didn't surprise him when he did well at the Senior Bowl. He said there was pressure because there's always pressure. It's, it's, it's the biggest moment of his life. But once he got out there, that sort of went away. And he wasn't surprised to be competing at that level. I don't think he's surprised that he's holding his own against these NFL players. He did very well against Jernigan the first day. He's lost a couple in one-on-ones. But I look at him as a guy, I don't think he's ready to start immediately. It wouldn't surprise me if he's pushing A.J. Can by somewhere during the season. And I think if forced to play, I think this guy will do okay because I don't think the acclimation is going to take him as long as maybe conventional wisdom says about a Division Three player. I agree. I don't think the transition would be nearly as long as we think. And I think he also will be as good as the company that he keeps around him. We talk about Cam Robinson being able to play well. You think about A.J. Ken, Andrew Norton. Like, he has a lot of guys that he can learn and draw from. And if he's thrown in there um, due to an injury or a different situation that puts him on the field, I think he will understand how to perform. And I also think the neighborhood, meaning the guys playing beside him, they can support him as he's beginning to work through some of those rookie struggles. All right, guys, we'll come back in a moment and go around the National Football League. Florida Blue is uh, here to help you better understand COVID-19, share information to help protect you and your family, and make sure you get the care and support you need during this challenging time. Florida Blue's support extends beyond healthcare as they work with the community to provide meals for seniors, masks for healthcare workers and residents, funds for immediate needs, and expertise on prevention. Around the league in a moment, it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. DreamFinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. DreamFinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization. That's the DreamFinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at DreamFindersHomes.com. DreamFinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity committed to the team committed to the mission at navy mutual we're committed to providing high quality life insurance to members of the military and their families so our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions we don't work on commission we're nonprofit, so we pass the savings along to our members because at navy mutual our highest commitment is to you visit navymutual.org navy mutual ensuring those who serve. What up, Coach? This guy? I like Milky Way. Me, you, we up there. 
You up there, we gonna stay up there. We hitting everybody? Yeah, you, you're fine. It's, unless they throw, okay. throw the football, except the quarterback. Oh! Second win. They run the ball. Like, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to worry because you'll be blocked. But if you're not blocked for some reason, <laughs> if you're not blocked for some reason, you're making an attack. All right, watch this. Hey, watch this. Josh Allen wearing a microphone during training camp practice. The full mic'd up segment will be available later tonight on at Jaguars social media, Jaguars.com, and Jaguars YouTube. Uh, Josh Allen, we uh, touched on him a moment ago, but you see a little bit of the personality there. Welcome back. Jaguars Happy Hour, J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Ozier. Glad you're along with us today. Uh, and Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the Fields Cadillac Group in Jacksonville and Fields Cadillac St. Augustine, members of the Fields Auto Group. Uh, let's go around. Uh, before we go around the league, Bucky, did you ever wear a microphone during a game when you played? I'm curious. I never, I never had the opportunity to wear a microphone, but I would have loved it. I would have loved to have like a, a running dialogue for everyone to hear my inner thoughts. I don't know that it always would have been positive, but it would have been a lot of fun for me to share and express. <laughs> Maybe they have to put it on cable, not over the air, right? Okay, that's fun. <laughs> I have a question. Would you wear one? Yes. <laughs> of course I would. Nobody would want to hear it. But um, a Josh Allen. I know we're going around the league. I've said it before, but every time I see the kid, to me, he is the hope for this franchise. And Bucky talked about him earlier in the show. I am as excited and optimistic about the franchise because of him. I, I, I didn't cover Peyton's rookie year in India. I covered him for 10 years after that. To me, Josh Allen is the best young player the Jaguars have had in terms of culture, everything you want. Uh, maybe since Baselli back in the day, maybe since Fred Taylor, maybe mm -hmm. since guys like that. He is unbelievable in terms of what you want to see. To me, he's the reason that I have hope for this franchise, 21, 22, 23. Unbelievable model draft pick to me. You know, John, to piggyback off of that, coaches will always tell you, the best teams, their best players are their hardest workers. And so... Josh Allen is going to carry currency in that locker room because he not only has the production, he has the performance, but also the way he goes about his business. The young players that walk into that locker room will now step up their game because they know the best player always has his engine running hot when he steps onto the field. So check out Josh Allen, mic'd up, coming up a little later tonight on Jaguars.com, the Jaguars YouTube account, and at Jaguars on social media. Let's go around the National Football League. The Arizona Cardinals made Buda Baker the highest paid safety in NFL history. Four years, $59 million in the extension. But Bucky, he has exactly zero career interception. What's uh, interceptions? What gives? Oh, it, it speaks to the changing dynamic of the safety position. We have seen it. Uh, these safeties that are dropping down in the box, playing like linebackers and doing a bunch of different things. Tackles, sacks, forced fumbles, being able to get around the ball in a variety of different ways. Those things matter much more than just interceptions at the safety position. A lot of money for a safety, John. <laughs> yeah, uh, good day to be a friend of his. I mean, I'm calling him <laughs> if I know him. It, it's a... Uh, you need, I think you need greatness at that position these days. The Cardinals are, are clearly paying for it. 
It brings me back to the Jaguars. I hope they can get some level of play out of that position for them this year. I think it's key. The Detroit Lions yesterday decided to forego practice to protest the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, it's the most public display, I think, from any NFL team since that moment just a few days ago. Bucky, this is obviously a huge time for um, protests and things of that sort around these type situations, but it's another situation, and the Lions decided to take a big step, and that is a big step to skip a practice. Yeah, I think it's a big step, and what I, I think we're seeing and learning is Matt Patricia is really trying to do a better job of connecting with his locker room. Whenever you have these player-led things and everyone was fully on board, including the coaches, it kind of brings the team together. Much like we saw some of the protests that took place in Jacksonville and the team went out to support, those things can bring your locker room together if handled in the right way. Yeah, uh, John, to Bucky's point there, we saw it firsthand with uh, Doug Marone and, and the, the Jaguars getting together this offseason to, to go to the police station and go downtown and do these things together. Yeah, and I think you're going to see more of it. It, it. I get there are fans who email me all the time, hey, I don't want to see this. I want this as a break. The reality is at, athletics, sports, and politics, culture, whatever you call it, have combined for years. Players, it's okay for them to have opinions and actions on things they feel passionately about. Here's our weekly Joe Judge segment in New York today. <laughs> he said that the Giants have thought about taking Daniel Jones's red jersey off to, quote, pop his pads a little bit before the season opener. Uh, they said they aren't going to throw him into the, quote, Royal Rumble or anything. Bucky, what in the world is this about? Hey, look, man, Joe Judge is out here trying to establish a new identity for the New York Giants. He wants to be a tough team. He wants to be projected as a tough-minded coach. But this would be stupid. I mean, this is, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. To expose your quarterback, the most important position on the field, to unnecessary hits, I don't understand why Joe Judge would even consider that. They want to play football for New York, the football giants, John. Yeah, what's next? Put him in the Oklahoma drill? I mean, it's, it's – uh... I doubt he'll actually do it. You would think if they do do it, it would be one play and get him out to serve a point. But I agree with Buddy. I mean, I agree with Bucky. Come on. Come on. A couple final thoughts here. Uh, Bengals cornerback Mackenzie Alexander left the team after his father went missing in Collier County, Florida. That's deep southwest Florida, Naples area. Uh, and he was later arrested on one count of battery allegedly confronted the man who left behind his father on a berry picking trip. This thing is still up in the air. He's, I think, about to be or has just been released on bond, so he's going to help the search. That's a, it's a tragic story. Hopefully it ends positively, Bucky, but that's a, it's a crazy situation for him right now. Yeah, certainly a crazy situation. Uh, thoughts and prayers to Mackenzie Alexander and his family. Hopefully they can find his dad, but I, I, I wouldn't condone the behavior, but I do understand if two guys go on a berry picking trip and only one returns and the one that returns didn't bring the other, I mean, I can understand why Mackenzie Alexander was very upset when he saw him. Yeah, that's, uh, this is a, that's a strange one there, and just uh, we hope that things end well. John, I'm interested in your commentary on this next one. The league is considering the use of artificial crowd noise in the range of 70 to 85 decibels for games without fans present. 
it would likely be constant throughout the game. What do you make of it? Yeah, you know, I guess I'll have to hear it and see it at first. I kind of get the instinct. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant on it at the same time. I think it will be equally weird to sit there as a fan and watch a game where there's complete silence. So, you know, I haven't played and uh, quite frankly, I often prefer silence because I'm in the press box and trying to concentrate. I would be more interested in hear what Bucky, who's played, who's, who, who's in that environment in that world. It, it doesn't bother me to have silence, but I'm usually in a very working capacity at the game. Bucky? Any thoughts? I mean, I think it's I, I think it's weird to have piped in noise. Uh, we've seen it work a little bit in the bubble, but I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I think once players get in and they see the opposing team, they kind of lock into the competition. Maybe from a TV viewing perspective, it helps, but I I don't know. It, it's all kind of weird when it's it's like a video game to me. I can see piping oh. it in for the broadcast makes a little more sense, I guess, but I. I guess I'll have to see it and understand it uh, more to have a, a hot take on it, JP. Well, we've, uh, well, some teams might have experience already with it. We've uh, seen some oh, stories yes. in the past with yes. this. Oh, yes. Ah. I just said that. Yes, I yeah. just said that, Bucky. Um, so, and, that'll be, and it's with, uh, without fans present. So the Jaguars, by that, would not be involved in this because they're planning on having fans present. For the game. That's our look around the National Football League. Uh, Bucky, we fooled him again. John, we did it. Yeah, yeah I didn't we did. We made you guys it. fooled him. I'm just trying to keep up with Bucky. No, no, no. We, we, we did. I, I, you guys make me take my game up a notch. I, I'm challenged. I'm challenged each and every week. I love it. Well, we're, we're just getting started. We're two down and... Uh, a whole bunch to go on Wednesdays. We appreciate it as always. John, we'll look forward to your writing throughout the week. Uh, Bucky, we'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks to our entire crew. For Bucky and John, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.